and a welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founders of DS and Durga, Kavi Ahuja and David Seth Maltz. Given that I work in beauty, I am afforded the great luxury of trialing brands, both local and international, as they become available in Australia, a, a true privilege that is not at all wasted on me. Now, often a product lands on my desk that piques my interest beyond my already vested interest in beauty. And as I start to research the names behind it, it becomes very apparent that this particular brand is quietly redefining the category in which it sits. One such brand is DS and Durga, a fragrance house I first came into contact with in 2017 upon its launch into Australia. Founded in Brooklyn by husband and wife David Seth Maltz and Kavia Hooja, DS and Durga came to be in 2007 when David, the label's now perfumer, began developing fragrances for friends and family, and Kavi, an artist, designer, and architect by trade, suggested they turn their creations into a business. Now, usually I give something of a brand overview at this point, but I sincerely believe no one can tell the DS and Durga story quite like David and Carvey can, so I will allow them to do so. I um I struggled to write this introduction because the conversation felt so rich and so resonant to me that this intro is barely scraping the surface, even less so than usual. What DS and Durga are doing is so different to other fragrance houses and I'm so grateful that I was able to listen to them explain the freedom that comes with being a niche brand and creating whatever they want to create, plus how they balance that with quite an intuitive understanding of what is commercially palatable. Being based in Brooklyn, DS and Durga is a self-described quintessentially American, in inverted commas, fragrance house, in a market historically dominated by French sensibilities. Now, there's not a single thing wrong with that. However, the perfume industry is very heavily saturated with brands intent on including French ingredients in their fragrances or French elements in their branding, even if that alignment isn't necessarily authentic. Now, as Carvey told me in our conversation, everything behind a brand matters so much more now than it ever has, which presents a really powerful opportunity for niche brands to become storytellers as consumers want to know precisely who and what they are aligning themselves with. Now, this episode was recorded remotely with myself in Australia and Carvey and David in the US. So if you would prefer to read the transcript, you can find the complete interview on glowjournal.com. In this conversation, Carvey and David discuss the malleability of creative disciplines, the art of collaboration, and the significance of the sense of both burnt tyres and boat gas. Carvey, you grew up in New Jersey, but I understand that you spent most of your childhood summers in India, where your parents are from. And David, you grew up by the ocean in Massachusetts, so I imagine your respective upbringings might come into play here. But what are your very first memories of scent? Yeah, David, my, you go first. <laughs> sure. I have like three, I guess. Two are related to where I'm from. Uh, the smell of the ocean, which you can smell right from my house, like, you know, every day around like two or three o'clock, the sea breeze comes up and you can smell it. And then there's this smell of like the smoky woods. There's these woods behind my parents' house. And so in the wintertime when it's cold and like the cat would come in, it smelled like kind of bacony. Um, And so there's that smell. And then there's also lemon dish soap is one of the first things I remember the smell because we used to play in the sink with like all the different kinds of spices and soaps and stuff um for me um specifically related to india i feel that i have a very kind of privileged uh 
history with with flowers with like just smelling beautiful flowers because in India you don't just I mean yes everyone knows what jasmine smells like what rose smells like but you know they were they were used so much in different ceremonies and rituals and just you know like night like we would go on a nightly walk in the summer to um uh, India Gate, which is just this kind of like promenade that you stroll in Delhi and vendors would sell long garlands of white jasmine flowers, just wow. like really beautifully, you know, um, strung together. And um, my grandmother would twirl them in her hair, like wrap her bun in them. And then when we got home that night, we would put them under our pillows so we could get the get wafts of it all night. And, um, you know, roses and marigolds are used in um, wedding ceremonies so much. And so a lot of the, my, and two, I had two rows on my nightstand every night because it was my favorite smell and it just kind of just lights up the whole like uh, bedroom at night. So I have these, just not just have I smelled all these beautiful flowers, but, um, you know, have these memories like deeply connected to them. So I feel like, um, I, I think of India and I think of just like the most beautiful exotic flowers and my memories of of those, you know, in use. What about burnt tires? Yeah. As soon as you get off as soon as you get off the plane in India, you smell before you get burnt off rubber before you get off the plane. Really? Burnt, burnt rubber, burnt, burnt burnt anything. Because you know, people are just using whatever for fuel and people mm. are just getting rid of whatever and <laughs> by burning it so um yeah you yeah, that, india that, smells like there. burnt tires and flowers what a nice contrast flowers yeah. are so <laughs> romantic and then just burnt yeah. tires yeah yeah it's true it's really true it's a very distinct smell as soon as you land the plane in the plane oh yeah you know the one for me for that for boston is uh boat gas whenever i smell boat gas i'm like right, right back to home because there's that smell when you get near like a marina and you could uh-huh. smell the boat gas that that is such a home smell to me i mean it's such a cliche to talk about scent and memory but i feel like it, it has to be done oh it's essential yeah. it makes so much sense <laughs> i think it's a cliche because it gets used too much in marketing because people clutch mm. at straws about what to talk about but you know and also people are obsessed with nostalgia and think that like their childhood well, everyone's childhood seemed magical because it was childhood. And then you go back and you see that it, it, it's changed and it wasn't that way. And you'll never find it because nostalgia is just this like thing in our mind. Yeah. I mean, it's this, it's like visiting where you used to holiday as a child and you thought this is the best place in the whole world. Yeah. 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 And then I, now you go back. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, been there. Away from scent, do you have any early memories of beauty in kind of a broader sense? Uh, and do you mean beautiful things or like the beauty category? I mean, either. I'm happy with whatever you feel like telling me. I do. Oh. I mean, you know, when I grew I mean, Indian women are not uh, afraid of glamour. And, um, you know, like I, when I when I grew up and, and I would have friends who were like, oh, yeah, my mom doesn't wear makeup or my mom doesn't get dressed up. I, I did. It was so it was that was so exotic to me because um, it's a big part of Indian culture is, first of all, Indian people are very, very social. Mm-hmm. So going out is a big part of growing up Indian, you know, watching your parents get ready for Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Wednesday night parties, just like socializing all the time, getting all glammed up with the saris and jewelry and makeup. Um, So I've always loved beauty and it's always been um, uh, an important uh, ritual. You know, watching my mom get ready was, it's just one of my fondest memories and kind of helping her choose this or, you know, brushing her hair, that kind of thing. Um, I love, I've always loved the ritual of it. And I always kind of like, um, I think understood uh, the value of it and, and also like how to do it, like, uh, how you know how to put on makeup just mm. all that stuff I never really needed to like learn it was just kind of yeah taught at a very young age just by watching my mom amazing David any any from your end well specifically like the beauty category no because I did, <laughs> wasn't aware of it I mean there's like polo in a green bottle and that whole thing and like Pierre Cardin like those the way the bottles looked and stuff. And I, I was interested in that. And that seems like it fed into, I, I would say in general, like the whole 
vision that Ralph Lauren like sold America in the eighties on this like weird hunting, uh, golden age Americana thing, like definitely seeped into my consciousness uh, because it seemed like it's the way it was, but it was probably just him. And also being from a small New England town, like the guys in the town next to me literally wore red pants, you know, like with no irony, you know, it was like, like there's like yacht people and stuff. And um, I know that's not beauty. I mean, beautiful things. I, it'll, the, it'll be the interesting. Woods. Sorry. It'll no, be interesting no, no. to see what, um, like I put on makeup today for the mm -hmm. first time in a very, like my son was like, what, 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 what's going on? What, what are you, where are you going? I was like, oh no, we're just, we have a call and like there's going to, you know, maybe be a video thing, but um, it'll be interesting to see what the um, virus does to just grooming rituals in general because i mean i know a lot of people including myself are just seeing kind of like yeah david's grown a beard just kind of mm -hmm. seeing like what's the point oh i can get by without a manicure for three months or i can get by without getting my hair anything done for so long and you're like oh i still i feel okay i mean yes probably you're itching to like you know get a few grooming things done that you can't do yourself. But in general, um, I think it's just showing people um, no need to be so obsessive about it. You will still be you and you can still be beautiful without all the, you know, visits to the salon and external, um, you know, grooming that we, we're used to. That's definitely what's happening over here. We have just reopened pretty much everything, rushed to get my eyebrows done because it's, you know, the most important yeah. thing in my entire life. But it's I just weird. don't, I, I can't be bothered getting my nails done. They're so weak from soaking off the SNS four months ago yeah. that I'm like, I yeah. just don't know if I'm ready to go back. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, mm. totally. And so you're probably like enjoying just like having some, you know, just like a change in the, like just natural nails for a while. Yeah. So. I mean, nice. my understanding of it is that skincare is booming, but you yeah. know there's not really any point putting on a thick foundation unless it makes yeah. you feel good that's what it is really. definitely not lipstick sometimes I've made the mistake of putting on lipstick to leave the house and then oh I'm just it's just getting it all over my mask so really that was a mistake oh god I mean this is we're going to look back on this time and just not understand it Kavi, I read that you studied art history before you moved into architecture and, David, you went to film school before becoming a musician. But when you were both younger, what did you each think you would be when you grew up? I, I was always a mu musician. Like, I was in bands when I was, like, a really mm -hmm. little kid. Like, I was in a band called Satan's Little Helpers in <laughs> third or fourth grade. And, like, yeah, it was, like, we, like, like trying, to, trying to play, like, death metal on like a yellow plastic box and like singing. Um, so I always knew that no matter what, I was going to be a musician and I, and I still am. I just, you know, I was in bands that were signed and we toured, but it, it never took off to like gr grand success. And then when perfume came along and I started doing that, it took off and I switched directions, but I still, right before this call, I was working on mixing a song because I'm going to release a bunch of music soon. And, you know, we, I still do release stuff. So. Well, it's all kind of storytelling, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, listen, I have some, something germinating in the back of my mind, which is the way it always works. And it takes a while to seep out, but I want to make some like pan because I can make perfume. Mm -hmm. I, I, let's say I can take an idea and express it aromatically. I can express it in like poetic language. I can express it in music and I can somewhat express it in a, like, visuals like drawings and so i i really would like to make something i mean i've made our our i have a band hiko man and we came out with an album and i made sense that went along with it i also included some of the poetic language that went along with it but i didn't do the album art my friend desi did it um so maybe if i did like a, a whole thing where you can really i, I love the idea of multifaceted artwork that you can really get inside but in a non like obtrusive didactic way where it's like you have to do this it's much has to be much more about like explore the world of this on your own so you know if you think about like lord of the rings right that's that's one of the greatest worlds ever made by someone 
and there's it's so rich and so much is happening and he's taking in so much influence from Celtic mythology and Norse mythology and Anglo-Saxon stuff and modern mo the modern problems with world war and and writing an entire world that could go off into all these different directions and I, I feel like that's that's the way my mind works I have this whole world that my band is like a part of and I make songs with and I can always go back and forth between like sense that describe music, music that describes sense, words that describe music, you know, that kind of thing. Kavi, your turn. Um, oh, what did I want to be when I was younger? <laughs> um, so I was, I probably just knew that I wanted to go into something creative and artistic because I, that was just always my interest. My parents were both doctors and um, generally in, um, Indian culture, it's very encouraged to go into something like medicine or law or business, um, even though I had no idea what business meant um, when I was younger. So, and I had no intention of going into it, um, but uh, just something, something, yeah, related to art and beauty, because that's always been important to me. Was there anything that either of you learned in kind of the early stages of your creative careers if you will that you find that you're still applying to your work now you know just the idea that you can make whatever you want like there aren't any rules i think and that's like kind of a quintessentially american thing uh yeah. of like do it yourself and you're just you know i think sometimes we really wait for we wait so long to oh until it's going to be right I'll, I'll finally release this one it's going to but like the like for instance, we don't have any bar. So oh, sorry, we do have one bar soap that we that we make, but I, I would love to make. I know I can make these bar soaps that are so amazing and smell so good with all of these stories. I don't know when we'll do it, but just like it, you can, the world is your oyster. You can just make it. You, you can make, and so I think that that our brand DNA never goes away. No matter what we do, there's always a part of it that is. Um, really our voice Kavi and I is together like it's it wouldn't be the same if it was just me or just her where it's like I think levity might be the best word like mm -hmm. it, we don't take it we don't take it too serious and we have fun with it but it has like point poignancy behind it and we're always going to do it our way um a lot a lot of brands that have founders at the helm are like that where it's your ideas yeah you know, ra rather than being like, we're going to make perfume that's all based on the woods and it's like everything, then you try so hard to fit. Well, this one's going to be like what it's like under a log and this one's going to be like this pine tree and you just run out of stuff. If Kavi and I all of a sudden are super interested in a Caribbean plant that we find or like an old record that we find it's totally within the realm of reason to like make the DS and Durga version of like that record of that plant as a scent, you know, and, and it still won't, it won't feel out of brand, you know? Yeah. I love that. What about you, Kavi? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I went to architecture school and I think what I learned there that um, applies to what I do now is just kind of learning to critique your own work and um, kind of always step back and review and um you know to kind of um be thorough and be careful in your work because you know someone is going to find a hole in it like right away and um it's just better if you can kind of yeah um what's the, like uh be careful about it and and um you know, find the holes in your own work before someone else does. I mean, I'm not saying that I always do that perfectly, but um, it's always good to just kind of like step back and try to view it, you know, through a few different lenses before you put something out um, into the world in a, in a design sense. I mean, it's so sort of being objective about something yeah, that's so subjective. Yeah, yeah. very true. Well, you know, I, I mean, it's, a balance. it's definitely a balance of being objective and subjective when it's our, it is our, our brand and, um, you know, we've designed it. So we have like certain license mm. to kind of like do what we want with it. But now that it's growing and it's like, you know, 
um, visible on different platforms. There's digital, there's social, there's how does it look on the website? How does it look in the retail store now? Um, you know, you need some consistency with that. So um, I guess like consistency is also part of it because you know, in the beginning, I just kind of wanted to like do what I want because I liked it and I could do it. But now that doesn't, that doesn't fly anymore. You have to like, mm -hmm. you know, be brand with a capital B. And I think I resisted that for a long time because like, we just hated the word brand. It sounded very corporate to us. It sounded very kind of like inauthentic and kind of like you're making a brand in a boardroom. And that was really not we were all, what we were about. We were like, oh, we're just doing things organically this way, that way. And, you know, it's taken some time to realize like all the reasons that that just doesn't work for a brand. And now we've come to sort of embrace the word brand and realize um, that, you know, if you're, if you're going to have this and have other people involved and it's going to be visible in all these different ways that um you need you need to have that consistency you know with, with what you're saying i feel like i've it, it's taken me a, a while to learn that carefulness that you're talking about i feel like both in music and maybe in the beginning of the perfume for me when you're in your 20s it is very hard to not want to like do every little thing in one statement. And so many times now when I'm writing the story of the scent or even making the formula or in music, the more you can strip away, like the stronger the, the actual thing, the actual finished piece of art, you should be able to throw away all the ideas that you thought you wanted to express so hard in, in what you're making to get to like the essence of what it is. And, and it takes a ton of, it takes non-attachment to your initial ideas and, and it takes a lot of restraint. And I used to not have that. I, I would write music that was so crazy and with like so much extra crap going on. And like, you know, if you can say something in a shorter um, way it's much more powerful than if you try to fit every tiny little thing in it because you like this word and this idea you know um Kavi's yeah, always restraint. always been better at that by the way i haven't but restraint. But. that's like that's a good the, the a good word for it and and curation yeah. like we have like endless ideas there's like and there's endless good ideas out there i mean you know and we have many ideas all the time but you have to just Curated. Yeah, are you are you gonna invest thirty thousand dollars into each idea? It's not possible. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to just pick and choose what you want to do. I have a million cents that I wish I could put out so bad that I wear and stuff, but it's just it doesn't fit into the line until it does. We've been doing these studio juices that are like drops where I just hand make like fifty, fifty, or maybe we're gonna do a hundred bottles, but fifty bottles, and Kavi gets to do like crazy artwork or colorful artwork and it's it's been very artistically opening for me because i can just do exactly what i want and then it's over you don't have to be like well we're putting into the budget that we're making all of these and then like do all the you know it's it's hard to bring a product to market but mm. what we, we used to just hand make everything ourselves and we still know how to do it it's just you can't really run a business like that at our stage i love that word restraint i think there is so much power in restraint regardless of what industry you're in agree yeah good lesson for any anyone mm. so it was while you were both living and working in New York City that you met and fell in love and it was in around 2007 that David began creating fragrances as gifts for friends so I have a few questions here firstly David what led you to start creating fragrances so I've always been interested in scents uh, but I didn't know like that I, that I would go there and I was getting very interested in the plants that were like growing out of the city cracks around me. Mm -hmm. And I met Kavi and we would like go away on the weekends, like, and we would go to old bookstores. And I just found this whole section of old herbals and like Native American plant wisdom and things about like Elizabethan women in still rooms making their own. This was like, you know, the early aughts where everyone just wanted to make everything themselves. It was like a real do it yourself time. And so I started making some like lotion or like, yeah, I made a lotion. I made a beer, I remember. Uh, and we made uh, tonics and then I wanted to make perfumes. I, I, I made a bay rum and nothing lasted. And so I'm just a rabbit hole person. If I get interested in something, I will really dig deep into it. So I started getting oils and making these things. And then we made presents for friends and they were like, oh, I love this. And Kavi was just like, 
why don't we start a business? Like I'll make labels for it and you make the sense. And lo and behold, that didn't really happen much in the perfume world because it's very top down yeah. and it just, it just took off. And we were like, oh, we can actually transition our ideas in music and architecture into perfume and packaging and brand. You know, I mean, I literally, we didn't know anything about perfume, the perfume business, didn't know anything about business. I did honestly not understand what the word marketing meant, you know? Aye, aye, aye. I will, my next question was going to be, about how, because you're entirely self-taught, how does one teach themselves to create perfumes? But you've kind of answered that it, that you just did a deep dive. Yeah, I mean, I researched everything I could. Those old books helped because they do talk about combinations of things. Uh, hours and hours and hours of, of like experimenting and writing every single thing down. Um, he's a very kind of, has a very kind of obsessive personality where he like, gets really into something and will just go down the rabbit hole like all the way. And uh, he has like a lot of things that he just kind of start started getting into and then went all the way. And he's like expert in several things, just like yeah. perfume. He became an expert in it just by, just by figuring it out and, you know, making it part of his life. I don't understand it. Like I just like, understand how fr how fragrances work together and I can smell a flower and start to understand. I'm always smelling things and making mental notes and writing notes in my phone and stuff. So if I need to pull them out later, um, you know, for instance, we're making this scent this summer and there's a note in there of Privé, P-R-I-V-E-T, mm -hmm. these bushes that, that bloom right now, literally outside this window. And to me, it smells like summer. They smell a little bit like Band-Aids. It's like not the most pleasant. It's a weird, aggressive, plasticky flower smell. Um, and I've always wanted to use it in something and now I can because I know how to make it happen. Um, I, I don't know, like, I think anyone could learn it. I think I could figure out any creative discipline, but I'm horrible at like, I would never be able to build a car engine or like fix a car, like, like mechanical, I, my mind only works in this like way of the, I could figure out how to be like a sculptor. I'm sure if I put my mind to it, you know? I mean, if only you had the time to learn every single creative discipline. Yeah, or the interest, or like <laughs> the time yeah, and the yeah. inclination. Yeah, two very. Important I'm always really. I'm very excited when I find something I'm not interested in. Like I love because there is so much. There's not much time that I love to just be like, oh wow, I, I won't spend any time. Like you know, like me, I'm never gonna musical theater. Like I'll I'll never try to learn anything about musical theater, and I'm, that's okay. You know, that's my jam. That's where I is it really? That's, that's my back in back in my heyday. In my David, that's yeah. the one example you choose. No, that's nice. great. Yeah. It means I've got you know less competition when I decide. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll return I, to the stage. When I, I say stage, I was like seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like you know, some people or yeah, there, there's many of them that people are very interested in. I, I think it's such a strength to know your faults, your weaknesses and like what you're not interested in. So you don't waste so much time. You know? Definitely. Definitely. I think that's, I mean, we all kind of do it maybe in our late teens, you pretend to be interested in everything because you feel like you have to. Totally. Yeah. That's very true. Life, life hack. You don't. <laughs> right. Life hack. That's, I mean, I'm just going to change the podcast title to that. <laughs> so, Akavi, it was you who said, okay, there's potential for a business here. What was it about what David was doing that made you go, okay, there is potentially a future in this? Uh, um, I don't know that I thought there was a future in it. I don't think we knew. I don't think we knew what we were doing when we, when we started, but I knew that it sounded fun. It sounded like a project and I probably missed that about architecture school. I had been working in an architecture office for about two years after getting my master's degree. And I went to this kind of really artsy architecture school. It was, it was like art school. Um, you just did a bunch of projects and dove deep into like an idea and then, you know, presented it and moved on. And I missed um, you know, projects and making, making things because I thought I was going into a creative career, but, um, uh, the truth of architecture working in an office is there's, you know, there's a lot of drudgery and, um, you, you know, you don't really get to be 
creative until you're at the top. And I, and uh, so this seemed like a really fun thing. And then the other thing was that our friends liked the sense that we made. So, you know, and our friends had businesses. Like, if they didn't like it, we probably wouldn't have tried, tried it out, but we were like, but, oh, we, we, were all, but we lived in Brooklyn where so many of our friends had businesses and we're like, Oh, oh like, yeah. yeah. Like they, they make jewelry or they make like ties or shoes or they started a cafe. And so it was, it's definitely like, part of that DIY Brooklyn thing where it's like, oh yeah, you can just, I mean, I can't tell you when I first moved to Brooklyn in the year 2002, it just felt like anything was possible. Like everyone you met was doing something cool. I remember just going to this right, like within the first month moving there, going to this way out place in Bushwick where it was just all of these artists like selling art. And I was like, it felt like we were on Hate ashbury 1968, just like the center of the universe. It was crazy. And you could just do anything. Part of it's being in your 20s where everything feels endless and possible too, potentially. But it was right place, right time. Like New York City in the aughts, in your 20s, you know. Yeah, it was definitely a heyday. Mm. I feel like it's one thing to have this great idea and to have this beautiful product that all of your friends love and, you know, be surrounded by creatives. But then to actually turn it into a business is another thing entirely. So where did you go from there? How did you start to manufacture on a larger scale? How did you fund it? How did you begin like physically creating the brand? It was, it was, it was not easy and it, and it evolved so much. It's not, it's not like, I mean, you know, that was over so 10 strong. years ago and um, you know, we're still, you know, very small independent brand. We, um, we, we, the, the way the perfume looked back then was, is just completely different. I, mm. when I would go to buy bottles and people would tell me the minimum was a hundred bottles that sounded overwhelming to me. Like every, <laughs> everything, everything was so different. I mean, we were, I was printing things on the printer at my architecture office and like hand applying them, like cutting them with an exacto knife. It was, it was, it started out very, um, you know, homemade, handmade, and, um, you know, we just, we, every time we got a little bit more money, we put it right back in and improved things a little bit, a little bit, a little bit until, you know, not even just like, I mean, maybe five years ago, were we able to change it completely into what we thought was like, okay, this is, this is how we feel we could present DS and Durga like for real. And, um, you know, which is the way it looks now. Um, and something that we could, I could visually aesthetically be uh, proud of. Mm -hmm. So it took a long, it took a long time to, to get there. I think most good things do really. I get a bit weird when people are like, yeah, it just blew up. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Well, we also had so much help, you know, like Not a magic story like that mm. at all. For the longest time, it was just Kavi and I, and then we had one employee that helped ship. And then we had like one employee, Sarah, that was still part of our company today who like, had worked at a lot of other real companies and knew like what to real do companies. More, more or less. Yeah. yeah because I mean, yeah. That, that's the thing we we've been faking it till we make it for so long. I mean, to this day, we, I think our, our office is 10 people, right? I mean, we're, we're super, super small. It's not like we've always outsourced like some bigger things like production and stuff. I mean, perfume is very top down. You can't just make a bunch of perfume and sell it to people. Like mm. it has to go through a lot of legal ramifications from like alcohol, like just the alcohol and fire department, let alone the regulatory for, um, you know, safety and, you know, just California laws, Japan. There's just so much if you want to do it the right way. And we always wanted to do it by the book. Um, but we have like an amazing team right now. Um, we, we have a president that has done this before and knows a lot. We have a finance person, um, you know, we have a people in sales and marketing and digital. And so that that's really helped, but we're still super small. I mean, we laugh about it all the time. We're still like friends and, you know, we haven't seen each other in three months at this point, but because uh, of COVID, mm, but that old chestnut. Super small. But I think there's something nice yeah. about growing slowly. I feel like, you there's you know there's like the temptation to hire heaps of staff really quickly and then you run the risk of being that asshole boss that we've all had who's bitten off more than they can chew yeah yeah we have a very strong solid foundation i think i mean i was receiving pallets of boxes and like shipping and like moving stuff around like five years ago you know mm. so it's 
it's, we were still doing lots of, lots of that stuff, which made things move much slower. Now we can focus a little bit more on creative and bigger decisions and collaborations because we have the time for it, you know? So we know that David obviously is the perfumer and Carvey, you clearly have really broad design skills that have lent themselves to the branding and sort of every visual element of the brand as well as architecture, your background. You've mentioned that when you first were putting together the way everything looked and felt, it was a little different. So what was your initial vision for the brand? Um, you know, David mentioned there was kind of a zeitgeist that we were, you know, part of in Brooklyn and seemed everything, including and everyone, including ourselves, were inspired by the 19th century. Um, and, you know, just having things look and feel really handmade was kind of just the the mood then. And so we definitely had some of that. We had a lot of hand stamping and a lot of, you know, you know, imperfection that you kind of proudly wear as a badge. And um, uh, it was, you know, a lot of referencing the past until I sort of, you know, got to kind of reflect on what we were, what we were doing as we were going and thought, okay, what do we really, what do I, what do I actually really love in design and what kind of styles and aesthetics do I love? And really it's, it's, you know, modernism, especially in architecture. And um, uh, so we kind of just scrapped things when we were able to, when we were able to, and just started literally very clean and fresh, um, which is what, what you see in the brand today. Um, but still with, you know, kind of like a, I think an artful touch, it's definitely, you know, um, mostly black and white, but we use color when we can, we try to be, we try to keep the packaging very minimal and, um, simple and which is kind of a hallmark of niche fragrance. Um, and then we, you know, we, we have a lot of fun with, with the marketing and with, um, you know, like it's also when we did made candles and pocket perfumes, we do like fun graphics. It's just kind of a, an opportunity to flex design muscles and, and, and do, and, and actually design something since I think, um, I've said before, it's kind of like boring when you create this brand and then it just seems like it has to design itself. And like, what do you, what do you really get to do? Because like, it's already like a prescription of how everything should look. So within a framework, we've tried to leave some room for, for us to have some, some more, I think more she, fun. Models. You also, she, she's changing stuff all the time. I mean, she's very restless in one way like that. And I always say she's a self-hating baker. Like she'll make the world's best chocolate chip cookie you've ever had. And you're like, this is the best thing I've ever had. And she's like, I don't know. Like, the, like it's a little chewy, right? Like she'll just like, can't, can't be like, I made this. It's awesome. Like I, I don't think I've ever heard her say that she's proud of something that she made right like you're just always it's always not self-deprecating i'm more <laughs> self-deprecating she like really she really just doesn't think it's all that good and is just waiting for like the next thing i i too have an obsession with what i'm working on and the next thing and just don't look back we both we both have that thing there's no resting on the laurels of something that we once made for sure and no interest I design something and put it yeah. out i've already i'm already like oh i have something much better i could have done I mean, uh -huh. that's true. That's true. But I think there's exp exploration would be the word I use because mm -hmm. both of us are always exploring what we love and incorporating it in. And so you definitely see that in the stories uh, for the perfume and, and just how, what I can do in perfume now versus what I could do then, which is like apples and oranges. And same with you. If you all of a sudden are like, I'm really into stripes, like you're going to see stripes on something, you know? Um, also, Kavi like was this, like is like, we both have like punk sensibilities. Like we were both into like punk at a very young age. Kavi went like more into like goth and stuff. And then like when we met, I think that like that went underneath, like she stopped that kind of thing for a while. And, and we lived in this weird 19th century nostalgia, like the whole world did. And when that thing ended, there was like the best breath ever to be like, oh wow, we don't have to pretend like we're living in the past. We can make yeah. the world that we want right now. We can do whatever the fuck we want. And yeah. like that, that freedom is not, not going away for us because you look at the design trends. When I moved to Brooklyn, it was trucker hats. And then that gave way to like handlebar mustache and then handlebar mustache gave way to like cactus. And you know, 
around cactus i think kavi and i were both just like fuck this we're gonna do like what we want and like really make a voice for it and the, first of all new york is there like there's we're both like love new york and like the dna of the brand of of like you know new york and its punk heyday is is a big is a big thing and then there's because of architecture modernism brutalism corbusier that stuff is always going to be there um you know that's not going away and it's cool because you can have an aesthetic but I, a lot of things i'm interested in are really really dorky and would not look cool like for instance i've already talked about like the lord of the rings you can't make something cool about the lord of the rings right if i'm like this is the hobbit's tobacco <laughs> but if i if she made a cool looking box and it was like you know slightly influenced by what gandalf was smoking in his tobacco pipe i bet we could do it and you could do it in a cool well, way it's my yeah. job to, to cool up his his lane yeah his lane, yeah exactly that's lane. love yeah. that's what that is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's, well that's i have this i have this song this is something that's important to say i have this song that i wrote that's called i know what good taste is I don't always have it. Like I know some of the things I like are in poor taste and I wish they were cool, but I know they're not. But at least I know I'm not thinking like, oh, Spider-Man's so cool, you know? Like, like I, I don't love Spider-Man, but if I did, like, you know, you, there's just certain things that, that you have to love because you love. I just love like middle-aged music and like medieval stuff. And like, that's not gonna look super cool in like downtown New York. And, yeah, well, I think that's definitely part of like what what has worked, what has made us work, um, DS and Durga work for for so long is just kind of knowing what's what's cool, mm -hmm. or if if you have something that's outside of what people might think is cool, just kind of putting the twist on it and making it, you know, kind of palatable to people's remember taste. that time we made an entire line based on uh iron age scotland and norse mythology and then kavi oh, made it like really beautiful and minimal and it was exclusive at barney's it was like the dorkiest like mythical yeah. thing called called highlands but she made it oh, we made so it look cool, cool. amazing <laughs> yeah. but then i would argue that like the the cool thing is to just like whatever shit that you like but then i guess that's the true yeah. cool. Yes, that is exactly. the true cool. That, oh, that you is, still got to sell it. Exa yeah, I was about yeah. to say, but then that's got to translate to like selling a product. Like the, the dirty part of it that is just always going to be mm. true. So yeah. well, you just have to know, like, I, I think that's the thing you have to know. Yeah, of course, you have to be into whatever you're into. Um, that You know, Kavi's into non-cool stuff, too. It's It's just knowing how it's such a good point. I don't know. I feel like we could digress on it for well, a long make, time. You make a decision at some point. And I, I, there was a point where we decided, okay, are we going to stay mom and pop forever and just kind of treat this as a project and sort of do whatever we want and like no market research, no this or that, just like, doesn't matter if we, we make a crazy scent and, and we know no one's going to like it. We like it. Or are you going to go for it and see if, you know, you can make this like a real brand and, you know, and, and um, one that's, you know, more well known than just what 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 we could do just on our own. And we decided that we were going to go for it. And now, you know, it's not it's not just ours. We have people who you know care about Diaz and Durga as much as we do. And you know, we, everyone's depending on each other to like you know make it make it work. And it's not just going to be our whims anymore. And we have full respect for that. And so we would never want to you know just there's there's a lot to consider now mm. and it has to be a balance yeah we have team uh, we have these meetings that keep us all in line like again i have all these crazy ideas then like everyone will laugh or vice versa it, it's not just it's not just me like we all collectively come to a decision of like what would be the best thing to come out with and the way to to present it because at the end of the day and we by the way we do have sense that we love that no one likes like via volta it, 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 that you have to keep those in there to keep a balance to the line you have to you can't just make like oh everyone likes this let's make version a of this version b of this version c you have to have in there the breadth and like my goal and i this is just me not the bit not kavi and not the brand but i do want to have the world's best perfume line with like the best vetiver the best patchouli the best you know that whole thing and it it takes time to like get there and whittle it down. But I think there's a consistency in the quality of our fragrances that you don't have in a lot of lines. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Which scents did you launch with? 
Uh, the only ones that are there now, when you say launch too, like, do you mean like selling it? Yeah, at I guess the like Brooklyn flea market or like, or like what, what, what is the real launch? Like we, we were, what we are today started, like you said, I think in 2015 or yeah. 16 Covey. And that's like, that's, that's when we came out with Rose Atlantic, Radio Bombay and White Peacock Willie. Mm-hmm. But when we started, the ones that are still in the line are Cowboy Grass and Burning Barbershop. Those are like the real OGs. I mean, there is old ones too, like Coriander and uh, Free Trapper that are s- still old. But the the two that were there in the beginning and still today are Burning Barbershop and Cowboy Grass, which as you can tell, are very cr- crazy fragrances that smell, one smells old fashioned and one smells, Cowboy Grass smells like nothing else. It's like mm. a really weird scent. Did well. I was going to ask if your approach to developing fragrances changed at all when you moved from doing it just for like friends and family to consumers. But I mean, based on what you've just said, you're still creating the fun stuff that you want to create, but just thinking about what is and isn't cool in inverted commas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen. I I have so many scents and so many things. I even if I was to come out with something that I made three years ago. I'd probably go back in and remake the formula the way I, I would want it today. And, and because hmm, like if I, if I were to come out before I got on with this call, I have this new software that can make that they can make really, that has a lot of great plugins to make your music sound a lot better. And I'm, I'm working on, I'm going to release this song that I recorded in 2007. And if you listen to it as it was, the song is, is maybe good, but like the sound just is kind of flat, but I can put it through this and work on it for like hours, like probably put 10 hours into it and make it sound like really nice and present and, and high quality. Right. And that's cause like, I've learned how to mix correctly, um, you know, more recently than I, than I did back then. Now the same thing, if I were to come out with something today, anything cowboy grass, now I understand how things work so much more. I would remix them and it, it wouldn't smell so different. It could, but, but I would just understand how to create the spatial relationships with much more clarity and restraint mm-hmm. now. Um, and so I'm always learning a, as a perfumer, I, but I, I think that, yeah, I can, I can just remake anything in a much more concise way. Mm-hmm. This is, such a broad one but the the actual process of developing a fragrance is so interesting to me can you talk me through it in like as much or as little detail as you wish where like just coming up with the idea and then selecting the notes sourcing everything like how does that process go for you so it is it is really okay the one thing i'll say that if you can try to simplify to this all a perfume is is the difference in weight between different materials. That's okay. it, right? Right. So like if, if you can just weigh out all of your materials and you have like this much vetiver and this much jasmine and this much, like that's all the perfume is, right? So you have that formula and you can just endlessly make that, you know? And you can make it at different strengths to create different effects, less or more. You know, sometimes something with less oil in it smells stronger because the way molecules work is like being able to t- detect things you know, there's a certain range that we can detect as humans that that ends around, I think it's like 26 rings of carbon or something like that. Um, so I, I'm always coming up with um, ideas. I, I have a running list of names and ideas mm-hmm. in my phone, okay? And so then, and in my studio, I always wanna work on new things and sometimes they'll like meet in the middle. Um, more often than not, I feel like if we're going to come out with an idea, like I said, I could just go back to the drawing board and nail it. Um, for instance, we are going to come out with this scent uh, as a candle for holiday. It's been in my like idea for since we were in like little bottles way back in the day. Um, but it's not going to be the exact same scent because I know much more now and I, and I can just go in. And so I'll just make a bunch of versions and then pick the best and from there Mm -hmm. you guys have created a number of limited edition fragrances for like other brands and other personalities levi's linda roden duran duran like such (laughs) such an interesting list how does that 
kind of collaborative process differ from how you would ordinarily develop perfume? Um, I guess you have to work with someone's own ramifications. So that that's a good thing. You, you, you get restraints put on you. Yeah. But I think so few people truly understand how to make a fragrance that you end up kind of having carte blanche anyway. And then when you give it to them, you know, you might modify it down to get them somewhere. But a lot of people need um, direction in the fragrance department because a lot of people don't know how to talk about scent. They don't know how to describe what they're sell- smelling. So they, they kind of know what they want sometimes, but they don't. I mean, someone like Linda, she really knew what she wanted. And so it was very easy because she like would bring me bottles at something like this or something like this. And I could like copy and we could work it out and get she was really like meticulous, um, you know, but with Levi's, they have this great idea of Einstein's jacket and what it would smell like. And I can smell the jacket and recreate it. And so I have my own, they was, you know, I always say this when, when we're about to collaborate with someone, I'm more interested in collaborating with other art- artists that I respect that like they do their thing. I do my thing. Mm. Um, you know, just because we're not, we don't have time for me to like, just do a ton of private label stuff. You know, I mean, we do it sometimes when it makes sense, but um, it's, I want someone who is an artist and thinks like an artist and I can translate their ideas into scent. Yeah, that makes sense. Carvey, is that the same for you when you're looking at like how one of those fragrances is going to look, having those kind of restraints put in place? Yeah, it's, it. you know, it's, those, those collaborations are tricky because I'm used to kind of just doing what I want to do visually for, for us. Um, and then, you know, when you have other people um, and you have to kind of like be consistent with their brand too, it gets a little tricky. Um, but with the graphics and, and palette that we, we use is so kind of, um, simple minimalist anyway, that it, it seems, it seems to work. Um, and we just kind of like try to keep things really simple. It's just like the easiest way to do it. Mm -hmm. You've both talked in past interviews about how the perfume industry is usually dominated by these like French sensibilities and your brand is quintessentially American. Two questions. Firstly, why do you think so many brands want to include some kind of French element into their fragrances? And secondly, what does it mean to you to be a quintessentially American fragrance house? I think that they want uh, to be French because it was the birthplace of fragrance as we know it today. And so somehow it's like telling the consumer that it's like high quality or premium or like, like French means better. And like, that just makes no sense to me because it's, it's a lie at this point anyway. I mean, much, much of the great, so much perfume is made in New York and New Jersey anyway. I mean, it, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. And, um, there's a lot of, I love France, by the way. I absolutely love French culture. So it's not a knock to that. Um, I don't like what I see as a pretentious um, su- suggestion that like something, well. I think I think that, I think that in America, for sure, um, we, we have this idea that we, we don't think, you know, French necessarily means uh, better high quality, but probably in a lot of other parts of the world, uh, it, it does indicate something kind of, you know, where it gives, it gives a little um, value to something. I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, I'm just guessing as, as to why, you know, um, fr- France is still so dominant in terms of perfume. I mean, of course, like the schools are there and it has long history and so much contribution to it. But I think that's something that, um, you know, we've always wanted to, um, you know, go against anyway, since it's, you know, it's, not, it's very fake a lot of times though. It's not really French. Like if something like mm-hmm. Chanel, no one's messing with Chanel or Dior. Those are, those are great, great French perfume brands. But if you're made in like Iowa and you're calling yourself like, Le de Pou, like, <laughs> like why, why are you doing that? It doesn't make, it seems very untrue to what you are. 
um, and for not like a good reason. It, it's just it seems inauthentic to me. Yeah, um, so, but it's it's changed. It's you know since we since we started, it's changed. I mean, when we started, there were not as many American perfumers and, and perfumeries. And now there are many, many. So you know, it it wasn't always this way. It's changing yeah. rapidly. On things changing rapidly, we've definitely seen a rise in the prominence of like niche fragrance houses in recent years. Why do yeah. you think consumers are really celebrating brands like yours and are happy to invest in these kind of smaller batch made scents? Yeah, I mean, authenticity, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, there's just something interesting about our story that it's, that it's uh, you know, created by by actual people and um it's it just you know people have there's there's so many people um with specific tastes and you know a a a big kind of corporate perfume brand isn't gonna appeal to certain to to people who want to know more about where their perfume came from what's Mm -hmm. behind it people are just more interested in, in the story of anything they buy now i think and especially right now um in in america in new york people really want to know who are they supporting with the money they're spending and you know what kind of people are these what kind of values do they have i mean the 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 micro issue the you know everything behind a brand matters so much more now than it ever has um you know if what kind of people are are you supporting when you when you buy a brand uh, from a brand? I think people are really interested in that now. So it's become more important than ever to to showcase like who we are, what we're about, what makes us different, what our story is, what drives us. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think we were we were doing that anyway in a in a real way, not like because we are trying to market and pretend something we're not. We always have been talking about this stuff. I think what's very important to understand that's different about our brand is. Listen, you have this podcast, so maybe maybe you can. But can, can you name a perfumer? Uh, Dimitri Weber, who I've had on before, who you may not know, he's an Australian perfumer. Actually, he was born in Belgium, but Goldfield and okay. Banks. I familiar? don't know, but can you name another one? Uh, I mean, I I can Christine. I can't pronounce her surname. Nagel, the oh. Hermes one, but I know. Oh, yeah, most, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, basically, no one, no one can name the perfumers. No, right? like, no. I mean, Jean Claude Alena is very yeah. famous. It, it's it going to be different for me working in this space. Exactly. But if I, you know, ask my partner, he'd be like, "I have no fucking idea what you're talking about." Right, yeah. right. And so, listen, that's changing. If I ask you to name a chef, you can name a hundred, a musician, mm. a painter, anything. But perfumer, people haven't been talking about it as an art. This is because I'm answering your question: Why are you more interested in niche fragrance? Yeah. So if you get interested in like painting, you wouldn't just like go be like, oh, I love the paintings in the Louvre. And then like, I really like the paintings at like MoMA. You'd be like, I like Rodin. I like, you know, you'd talk yeah. about who they are, right? So most brands, and this is not like a knock on, on a, a brand, they, if I'm gonna make a, cause I'm the perfumer and I own the brand, right? So you are actually just smelling what I wanted to make. But mm-hmm. there's a middleman in most brands. Most brands are made by the same a hundred perfumers that make everything right at at the 10 fragrance houses that make everything. I mean, I myself work with the fragrance house, but I'm the perfumer. So Mm. that's entirely different than a probably three or four brands that I can think of. Otherwise what happens is someone, maybe a creative director or a founder is like, I want to make something that smells like the Greek coast. And so they go to their fragrance company, they go to Fermanish or Jividon, and they give a piece of paper and like, I want it to smell like this. And the perfumer, you know, maybe has never been to Greece, might not even know this person, they meet like a while. So, you know, he can make something or she can make something that they like, uh, that probably smells, that, that works for that piece of paper and they give it to the person. Now that person's selling it, they they like it and they decide and they make the the name and the copy and stuff. Maybe by the way, the perfumer actually gave him a scent that's based on this place that he had been in the west coast of Oregon. And he's just it just it just so happened that the he was like, Oh yeah, this does smell like Greece. And then like so there's like such a lack of disconnect between the person who made the art and the person selling the art. 
right? So I'm making the art and selling it. So if I'm going to make it smell like Big Sur after rain, it should smell like Big Sur after rain or what I think. You might hate the perfume, think it doesn't smell like Big Sur after rain, and those are fine. But you certainly can't say it does not smell like what I think Big Sur after rain smells like. So that piece right there is like we are actually like artists and we're selling our art. You know, it's, it's niche brands are much more about the artistry of perfume than just like the consumer aspect of a fragrance. It's not to say there's not a ton of terrible niche brands and a ton of amazing mass market brands. Mm. That, because like I said, they're all made by the same people. I mean, I love Chanel perfumes, mm. you know, who, who could love perfume and pretend that they're, they're not important, you know, so. Shit, that is a good answer. Um, Carvey, I've read that you aren't a big believer in this idea of having one signature scent, which I feel like is something that is pushed on us, but you prefer to pull from a fragrance wardrobe. What would your advice be to anyone who is looking to extend on their fragrance wardrobe and find a new fragrance? Because I feel like there are so many beautiful scents that it can be super overwhelming for people. Yeah, it can. I mean, I think that what we recommend most is to put it on your skin because you might think you won't, you don't like, you might just like read something or like hear a note and be like, oh, I don't like that. You know, people like are very kind of judgmental and stuck in their ways about that kind of thing. But if you just put something on your skin and wear it a couple times, like you will be surprised. I mean, there's many things that like, I haven't liked at first and then David will come, you know, one of his favorite things to do is just kind of chase me around and like test things on me. Like put, put it's my here. least favorite thing to do. Least favorite. Because I don't really love it, but he always, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a necessity, but I hate doing it. So he, you know, I'll, he'll put something on me. like, no, I don't like it. And then like a week later, he's like, what do you think of this? I'm like, Oh my God, this is so good. He's like, you hated it last week. And it yeah. happens very often. So I don't know. It's just kind of like, I know what you're talking about is something very specific. When this is marriage. That's what that is. And well, and- listen, if, it's because you, if you people love what they've once smelled before, that's so that's oh you can God. trick someone. You you spray it, they're like, I don't like it. You go back a couple days, they say, Oh, this smells familiar. I like this. It happens yeah. all the time. So we always encourage, like in the store, like just if you're not sure, just put it on your skin, walk out so many times, like it will come back like later that day or the next day. And then oh, yeah. and that's the best kind of that's the best kind of sale really is, you know, when you know that someone has tried it and liked it, come back for it. I mean, it feel, yeah. that, that feels good. It's so different when it's on the skin too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm. It is. And it's just the best way to test a fragrance. So it's, we're always trying to get people to just try it on their skin. So the brand has existed for over a decade now in that time, what have been the biggest changes that you've seen within the beauty industry and probably more specifically the fragrance industry? So well, the biggest one is what so much. There's so many brands. It's insane. It's insane. In every space, there's so many. I mean, for so long, we thought of, you know, kind of wanting, to, I love color cosmetics so much. And we thought, oh, one day it would be great to go into that. And now when you think, when I think about it, I don't know what we could really you have to be able to contribute something and there's mm. already too much out there, I think. So I don't know. I think it's really, it's really hard right now to, to, to find your voice in anything because there's so many voices. I think that's what we could contribute by the way to that would be our voice because I know nothing at all. So it's the same thing. I know nothing about beauty or makeup. I feel like it could be really interesting because I, I see colors all the time for fragrance and music to go that route with it. Like it, it, we'd make something rad. I think you would. I do think it's strange, though, that like you're when I say you, I, well, people who wear makeup, it's like mm-hmm. you mostly all wear red to pink lipstick. And that's all yeah. it is. Like there's there's a whole spectrum of colors. But for some reason, it's only red mostly. or pink. There, there's some people who, who don't. It's yeah. a look. Oh, yeah. Well, there's like there's like mahogany ish which is red i guess there's some purple and then there's like teal like once every for one in every hundred thousand people maybe yeah it's all within that pinky peachy warm family there's there's something there there's some there's some studies to be done why that looks good well you know i mean our friend wrote the book yeah our friend wrote the book on red lipstick 
Rachel Felder. Yeah, it's an an amazing book. It's about the history of red lipstick. And I think that there is a a, uh, subliminal thing that it's you're reminding someone of nether regions when it's red lipstick. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. That's, again, a good answer. What changes do you think we can expect to see? over the next so much listen everything is out the window so like you you probably wrote that you know it it was going to a point and then with covid and uh the black lives matter movement and like the black trans live trans lives Mm -hmm. movement like everything is changing so you have to like be you have to be true to who you are and up on your game about like who you support and how you do it and be careful um not to i don't i don't want to do it's not like in a in a restrictive pc way but you have to be careful not to like offend someone because we all have to make a collective change to include everyone so you have to be inclusive and then you need to make sure that it's a safe safe environment to shop in a covid world you know i mean until we have a until we have a vaccine the practices of retail are so 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 different you know we're making drastic changes and like one is super exciting and we're not sure we're going to open hopefully sometime in july but um you know just digital and like non-touch is is it's been going that way for a long time anyway so i think you know people the the whole world has to work from home and realize like oh okay like we can kind of work from home so i think we're all going through such different changes socially politically uh that retail and beauty will have to follow suit i mean one thing about our brand is that it's always been the voice of two artists and their ideas and that's not like a trend so trends go trends come and go and up and down but we'll always have something to say artistically aromatically um regardless of of what happens you know one very specific response we have to covid is since we we don't feel it's quite safe to shop in a perfume store yet we're not opening our store yet and we're making a a mobile but you can't yeah i don't know when when is this airing this is going next week and it's june i mean yeah, yeah, we have this really bit, like crazy thing, but we haven't talked about it yet. We're making a, a fume truck. It's going to be a perfume <gasps> truck. We're going to be, you know, it's like driving around the city, selling perfume to people. So it'll be, you know, parked in, it's, it'll be in New York City, parked in different places um, for the summer. And, you know, it's just going to be a much safer, open uh, perfume shopping experience. Amazing. And we're really excited about it. So when's that starting? July 1st. July 1st. Oh, that's so exciting. But we haven't told anyone about it. And I don't oh, know if that's Oh, I've got the exclusive. <laughs> oh, what a treat. All right, my last question. What is, I mean, you've just sort of answered it, but what is next for DS and Durga? Yeah, there's a lot of that. So the that, truck. you know, the, the truck, but this also <laughs> feeds into what you were saying. You know, a lot, we saw a lot of, a huge uptick in home care stuff. So we're going to keep making more home care stuff. Um, and, you know, maybe push some of the fragrance launches that we are going to do out. Uh, yeah. So mm. cleanliness, yeah. you know, we have the hand sanitizer. It's done really well. So we're going to make another one probably. Right. Um, you know, and then we're, we're doing like really interesting texture items that also, I don't think you can talk about yet, but like fun, fun stuff. We were always going to do like little fun stuff. Like we're very much into the idea of merchandising. Yeah, three months ago we would have said more stores, more retail, and you know yeah. now things are different. I mean, we're 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 in the middle as every brand is, I think, of kind of trying to re recalibrate plans and figure it all out. But it's it's surely going to be different than what we thought a few months ago. That was Kavi Ahuja and David Seth Maltz, founders of DS and Durga, which you can find on Instagram at DS and Durga. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.